welcome to Standing in the Gap. I'm your host preacher, Brandon Harrell. Standing in the Gap is a weekly audio Bible study dedicated to the verse-by-verse exposition of the KJV Scriptures. It is my prayer that through these studies, the lost will be saved, the believer edified, and most of all, that the Lord Jesus Christ will be magnified and honored through the proclamation of His Word. For correspondence information, please stay tuned until the end of the broadcast. May the Lord bless you as you listen to this week's Standing in the Gap. All right, it's me again, another Standing in the Gap. And uh, we thank you for tuning in today. Grateful for the opportunity uh, to share the Word of God with you. And we've been studying for, I think this is our 14th week, the genealogy of Jesus Christ found in the first 17 verses of the Gospel of Matthew. This is part of a larger study that we are endeavoring upon in the study of the Gospel of Matthew verse by verse. And we've been looking at this genealogy. And as we've studied this, we talked about some goals of this genealogy. It was given to show both Christ's legal as well as his lineal descent back to Abraham through David, giving him authority upon the throne and linking him to Abraham, the father of the Jews to whom this gospel was aimed. Then we thought about the gaps in this genealogy. We saw some omissions, some names that aren't listed, And we saw an obstruction, that obstruction to the throne, that curse that was placed, that God bypassed by seeing to it that Christ was not born of a man. And then we saw the grace in this genealogy. And we've spent several weeks looking at various aspects of that truth. There's so much grace in this genealogy. We find it in the names of those who, as we are, were in desperate need of grace and God provided And here they are found in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. On last time, we thought about some gloom in this genealogy. And my, what a reality we face when we see that everyone in these lists, in this list of names that was begotten, also died. Everyone here except for Jesus Christ, uh, if I remember correctly, died. And uh, we found that not all that died, died in faith. There were some who died unsaved. And we dealt with the reality of death and what happens to an individual when they die. If you believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you're ushered into the presence of God in heaven. If you have not believed upon him, if you've rejected the gospel, if you've turned your back on light, you'll be in hell forever. The gloom in this genealogy, death is certain. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Where will you be when you die? Well, I want to finish out this genealogy, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it today. Uh, But I do want to look at some thoughts out of verse number 16. I'm going to read that in your hearing and then give you some thoughts concerning this in regard to the genealogy of Jesus. It says in verse 16, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. Here, I'd like for us to spend some time thinking about the glory in this genealogy. We've seen all the other things. We've seen 
the goals, we've seen the gaps, we've seen the grace. But here, and we've seen the gloom, but here we see the glory in this genealogy. This verse lays the foundation for the rest of the first chapter of Matthew's gospel. It is the subject introduced here that is expounded upon in the remaining verses, namely the divinity of Jesus Christ. That Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, that he is very God of very God, is the truth upon which every other truth of our religion rests. If Jesus be not God, there is no salvation to be enjoyed. The fact that Matthew establishes this at the outset of his gospel and uh, begins it with this statement is crucial to our understanding of the gospel of Matthew. Matthew will establish in this first chapter the divinity of Christ, the divine person of the Lord Jesus, the fact that he is, in fact, deity. Now, there will be ample opportunity in the verses to follow to examine and expound the doctrine of the virgin birth. However, I would point out two aspects that are here seen clearly. First, there is the glorious instrumentation of Christ's divinity. And secondly, there are the glorious indications of Christ's divinity. In this verse, we find both of those things. First of all, the glorious instrumentation of Christ's divinity. What glory there is in this genealogy, and there is glorious instrumentation given to us here. Notice what he says. And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. We are here introduced to Joseph and Mary. Here, two humble Jews, not known or celebrated in their day, not wealthy, not holding power, are sovereignly selected by the God of heaven to harbor and raise his only begotten Son. Truly, the words of Paul are fitting, for he did write in 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, Yea, in things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. <coughs> Excuse me. My, what statements made. We see our calling. We see that God hath not chosen the mighty, the noble, the wise, but rather God hath chosen us. And God does this in order, it says, that no flesh should glory in his presence. This is certainly true of Joseph and Mary. But yet, with all that God could do apart from humans, God chooses to use humans to do many things. Even in the process of becoming flesh and growing up in this world, God chose to use members of the human race. He did not have to do this. He formed man out of the dust of the earth. Could he not have formed a body for himself out of the same? Yet he would use people 
He would inhabit a womb, the womb of a virgin. He would experience the process of growth within that womb. His holy body would develop in the normal way. This verse does not read, and Joseph begat Jesus, for that would not be true. It says, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. The word begat translates the same word as does the phrase was born in this verse, but male agency is not mentioned in the latter statement. It doesn't say Joseph begat Jesus. It doesn't mention that male agency because that male agency was not active in this process. When the Holy Ghost inspired Matthew, he said it this way on purpose, of whom was born Jesus. Jacob begat Joseph, but Joseph did not begat Jesus. Jesus was the only begotten of God. This action God reserved for his son alone. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. In Luke 3, verse 23, we read the following words, And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, and this is in parentheses, being as was supposed, <laughs> the son of Joseph, which was the son of Heli, as was supposed. In other words, they were wrong about it. They assumed that he was the son of Joseph, but he was not. That was just a supposition on their part, and a natural one, a normal one to have, but nonetheless an inaccurate one. There is a definite and undeniable emphasis in these texts upon the fact that Jesus was not the biological son of Joseph, Mary's husband. Yet, God used Mary a willing vessel, a living sacrifice to God to carry his son. There's really nothing that God could not accomplish without human instrumentality, but he has purpose to do very little without it. He can bring the gospel to the world another way, but he sends people. He sends preachers. He delights in using us because when he does, he receives glory. That, in the grand scheme of things, is the ultimate end of all things. The old catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? It answers the question thus, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To that, we should all say, amen. God uses people. Here, he used Joseph and he used Mary for the bringing into the world and the rearing up of his only begotten son. Secondly, we'll try to get through it today. The glorious indications of Christ's divinity. We see the instrumentation, God using people, but now we see the glorious indications of Christ's divinity. It stands to reason then, that if Joseph was not Jesus' father and Mary had not been unfaithful, then Christ must be divine. Yes, he was born as us, but he was not conceived as we are. 
He was conceived miraculously that we might see how different we are, but he was born mundanely that we might see how much he has in common with us. He is Jesus, born to deliver us, born to identify with us. But he is Christ, our prophet, our priest, our potentate. He is the prophet. Uh, He is a prophet like unto Moses, a priest after the order of Melchizedek, and a king destined to sit upon the throne of his father David. He is a better prophet than Moses, for he has spoken grace unto us and not law. He is a better priest than Melchizedek, for he is the great high priest who will never be taken out of office. He will not die. He has an ever-unchanging priesthood. He is a better king than David, for he'll never vacate his throne and his kingdom will never be divided. He is anointed to his offices by sovereign decree, which cannot be undone. He it is who became flesh and dwelled among us. He is, he is divine. Jesus Christ is all man, but Jesus Christ is all God. Oh, what glorious indications in this verse of Christ's divinity. Isn't it wonderful to, to know that we have a Savior who is God himself? And in this, he was able to live a perfect life, to die and to rise from the dead, to die in the place of sinners and rise again. And he sits on the throne, and one day he's returning to gather his own. What glory in this genealogy. Till next time, this has been Preacher Brandon. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Standing in the Gap. It is my desire that today's episode has been a blessing to you. If you'd like to contact me, my email is bcharrell83 at protonmail.com. That's b-c-h-a-r-r-e-l-l 83 at protonmail.com. You can also reach me by phone at 828-777-4923. Tune in next time for Standing in the Gap.